G'day and welcome to Talking Finance, the Constant Investors weekly radio show. On the 22nd of February, the Minister for Health, Greg Hunt, legalised imports of medicinal cannabis or marijuana or dope or weed to those of us who were alive in the 60s and 70s. And a handful of listed cannabis stocks immediately took off. So in doing so, our little band of pot pioneers joined a global boom. Now, in looking at this as a possible investment, it's important to distinguish between the stuff you smoke and the stuff you take as a medicine. In the US, there's some interest in the former because a few states have legalised it and there's an industry springing up to get people high. That's not what we're talking about today. Medicinal cannabis, which is what we're talking about, is about pain, epilepsy and possibly some cancers as a form of chemotherapy. That's basically it, although cannabis sativa is a complex plant with over a hundred potentially therapeutic compounds in it, only one of which, THC, gets you stoned. And the thing I've learned about this stuff is that it's easy to grow, the compounds are all there for you, and the profit margins can be large. So potentially, it's a very interesting investment. So this week's Talking Finance is what you might call a potpourri, a special program on listed cannabis companies. I've interviewed four of them, Zelda Therapeutics, OzCan, Crazo Pharma, and MGC Pharmaceuticals. There are a couple of others, which I'll get to later, but to start with, here's those four. Let's get stuck straight into it with Stuart Washer of Zelda Pharma, which was spun out of a Californian operation called Art Zeldas. I asked Stuart how that happened. The state of California was one of the first to legislate for medical use of cannabis. And Aunt Zelda's was formed about five years ago. It started treating patients uh, with different cannabis uh, extracts. Uh, but one of the things they did, which was a lot different to a lot of the other companies there, is they kept very good uh, data on the, on the uh, patients and uh, really fixed their formulations in place so they could tell what sort of cannabis formulations were working for what diseases because the cannabis plant's a very complex plant, got a lot of cannabinoids and um, different products in it. And uh, what they found is certain um, extracts worked a lot better for certain diseases than other ones. And they're treating cancer patients for nausea and, um, and different uh, radiation um, treatments outcomes, you know, mitigating the effects of radiation treatment and different things, and then moved into a whole range of things from insomnia and all these other things. So, Did Anzelders go through clinical trials or was, or was it all over the counter? No, this is the, the whole thing, and this is what Zelda was formed to do, is no one had done any real clinical trials. So while there was all this anecdotal patient data, I mean, they've got hundreds of people's worth of uh, patient data, no one had done proper clinical trials. Zelda was formed to do those proper clinical trials. How was Aunt Zelda allowed to do that? Yeah, this is the weird thing, Alan. In California, no one needed clinical data, so they could go out and start making infusions and treating patients. And that's still the case in California today because the FDA, the federal regulator, has turned a blind eye to it. I think that won't be the case uh, for much longer, where places like Australia and Chile and Europe really looked at requiring clinical data. So Zelda was formed to, to really do proper clinical trials, and that's what we've, uh, we're doing based on that anecdotal data out of California. So you raised $4 million to do those clinical trials. How much of that have you got left? Yes, we just did another raise, just finished that for $6 million. So we've got, I think, about $9 million in the bank. So we've got plenty of money in the bank to do um, our trials that we're planning, which uh, the first one's insomnia, 
uh, treatment for insomnia, which is, affects over a third of the population. And we're also looking at eczema, which is a, a skin uh, allergy, which is quite severe in a lot of people as well, a topical formulation for that. And you're also looking at uh, both pancreatic and brain cancer as well, aren't you? And breast cancer as well. So three types of cancer. Absolutely. So we're not doing clinical trials on them at this stage. That's preclinical work. So that's in um, animal models of cancer and also in vitro models, which means basically in the in the Petri dish with human cancer cells to see how it affects them. So we're doing those uh, trials at the moment out of um, University of Complutense in Spain. We've got some amazing data on breast cancer in an animal model, human breast cancer, and showed that our product actually works just as well as the leading chemotherapy agent, lepatamib. Why was Zelda listed in Australia? It really is a strange situation that the United States, because of this uh, federal restriction, even though it's legal at state level, it's illegal at federal level. So you can't actually list these companies in the United States. They can't use federal banks. They can't use federal you know, insurance and different things. So really, it was a much easier concept. And we've we are Australians, the people that, you know, joined up with the Californians that formed this company. So the ASX was an obvious choice. So they can't list them in America, even though you're allowed to flog medicinal cannabis in California. That's pretty weird. It's very weird, Alan. So it's still illegal at federal level, even though it's legal at state level. So this is the, the unusualness of the United States. We're in places like Canada and Australia and Chile, uh, that it's all legal at federal government level and very clear legislation in place. And they're the markets we're pursuing initially. So you've got access to the five years of Aunt Zelda's patient data. Are you saying that that's going to speed up the clinical trials? Rather than speed it up, it gives us a best guess. So what we've got there is, I've never, I'm a stem cell guy. That's what my uh, world was before the medicinal cannabis. We've never had human data to start before we start the stem cell trial. Here we do have human data. So what we can do is say, well, we know that formulation works for insomnia in uh, you know this population of people. So we can really form that uh, trial in, uh, you know, in really setting up for success before we even begin. So do you have to go through the all three phases? No, we... This is when we first set up Zelda Therapeutics, we thought that may be the case. Um, and some other companies uh, have, like GW Pharma, looked at that as you know their initial products that took them through the three phases. The governments now in Canada and Australia and elsewhere, and Chile as well, have basically said, if you have enough safety data and efficacy data, you can start selling to patients. So that's one good phase two trial. And that's what we're looking to do. And then you can basically launch a product straight into those markets and sell to patients. Via prescription? Via prescription, that's right, yep. And would that be covered by the PBS? No, it won't be initially. That will be down the track, I think. But initially, uh, the patient has to pay out of their own pocket. But the really cool thing about this is these are very cost-effective medicines. So we're looking at around about $5 a day price point for some of these, you know, medicines to treat insomnia and, and different disorders, which is an affordable uh, thing. I mean, you can't get a co- cup of coffee in Perth for $5 these days. So. Is that the whole thing with cannabis, that um, it's cheap to grow so therefore, and, and cheap to extract, so therefore the, uh, the medicine's quite cheap in the end? Absolutely, yep. So compared to making an opiate drug for pain control or a benzodiazepine for sleep, 
this is a much more elegant, simple process. You're going from a, a plant which you can grow in abundance. You know, Ozcan is our uh, supplier and grower. You know, these guys are growing large fields and harvesting hundreds of kilograms of uh, cannabis, dried cannabis, which can be made into uh, many, many, many doses of medicine. Now, you've got some sort of arrangement with the Telethon Kids Institute in Perth. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so those guys, um, it's got some of the best um, clinicians and scientists on glioblastoma and brain cancer, children's brain cancer particularly. Uh, which is quite a, a, um, a devastating, aggressive cancer um, with not a lot of treatment options, actually. So what we're looking at there is there is evidence out of uh, University Complutense in Spain and our partners that the uh, cannabis extracts we have could work well against um, these types of glioblastomas of brain cancer. So we're basically working with Telethon Kids Institute where they'll take the uh, these cancers from um, different children that have uh, suffered from these cancers and expose those cells to our um, extracts and see um, if we can knock those cancers back or not. And then we would progress to the next uh, preclinical studies and then hopefully progress through to um, you know clinical studies beyond that. And so are you saying that the cannabinoids would act as a kind of chemotherapy? Uh, yes, that's what we found. In certain types of cancer, they seem to uh, inhibit the cancer growth um, as well as the chemotherapy agent itself and could be complementary to the chemotherapy agent. So we'd never propose taking someone off chemotherapy, but if you can give them a um, cannabinoid medicine alongside, we may get better control of that cancer. That's what we're testing at the moment. That's the theory. So when do you think you'll have the sleep um, medicine, the, the uh, sleeping tablet on the market? Yeah, well, not long. Uh, so we'll be doing those trials about middle of this year. We'll be starting those trials. We'll be finished before the end of the year. And so early next calendar year, we'll be launching that medicine probably with a partner, a distribution partner in, in different countries like Chile and Australia, Canada possibly, and uh, other markets um, as they, they unfold before us. Elaine Darby, the CEO of OzCan, is Stuart Wash's sister, and their father is Mel Washer, the former West Australian member of the Federal Parliament who retired four years ago. Now, while Stuart's company, Zelda, is doing clinical trials to create drugs from cannabis, OzCan is growing it. Essentially, um, OzCan, uh, so we're sort of, sort of integrated across the whole supply chain. We cultivate and also with the aim to manufacture and also distribute. So currently, uh, we're cultivating in Chile. And we've actually just harvested our crop there, which is fantastic. So we're doing that with a, a partner there called Foundation Daya. So we have a joint venture entity over there that's cultivating over there. Um, we are also intending to cultivate and manufacture in Australia uh, as well and distribute here. So we're really looking at doing sort of like, I guess, that, that full supply chain right, right to the end patient. And so obviously there's a lot of uh, various expertise and IP required to sort of do all those those different points along the way. So we have very much uh, sort of assembled a, and focused a great team of experts and partners to enable us to do that. Tell us about your crop in Chile that you've just harvested. How much is it and who are you going to sell it to and for how much? Yeah, so essentially there's about 400 kilograms of dried product uh, will come out of that. Will that she will then be manufactured into various formulations and extracts. 
So all of this initial product, some is being sold to third parties. Some will also go into uh, other clinical trials uh, for product registration uh, in Chile uh, so we can supply to Chilean patients. The situation in Chile is a little bit different to Australia because in Chile we actually have to go through the process of product registration before we can supply to patients, whereas here in Australia it's uh, it's a little bit more unique. We can supply uh, cannabis medicine to patients under a special access scheme. So we don't have to have uh, sort of registration as such, but we do need some levels of efficacy and safety data for docs to be able to prescribe those medicines. So it's a little bit of a different process, but what this does mean for us, because we're not really a clinical trial company, that's not what OzCan is wanting to invest big money into, not that side of R&D. There's particular indications where we already have excellent clinical data on efficacy and safety, and that's in the particular uh, areas of chronic pain and neuropathic pain in particular. So in Australia, here and now, that is our focus, is essentially working with docs, getting them authorised to start prescribing products uh, here and now uh, for chronic pain and in particular that neuropathic pain. Now, as you realise, We are unable to manufacture in Australia yet. No one is allowed to do that quite yet. Our licences are going through the approval process at the moment with the Office of Drug Control. But what we can do is, the beauty is we have a partner, a Canadian producer called Canopy Growth Corp. Now, Canopy is the largest producer of medicinal cannabis in North America. Um, so we're actually able to bring in product from our partner right now into Australia so docs can actually start prescribing those products. So essentially, we're starting to establish this market, educate our Australian docs. So once we have our own Australian product come online, we, we can flow that through. So you're not just selling um, the dried cannabis, you're turning it into a product? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So in particular, uh, in, in Australia, um, so there's various ways that you can administer this medicine. And in Canada for many years now, so they've allowed the use of medicinal cannabis for, for over a decade. And up till fairly recently, they've just been using dried products. So they've been vaporizing it. But what are they using it for? Number one reason why cannabis is used anywhere in the world is for pain. Chronic pain is number one reason for use. And so basically they've been vaporizing. But now Canada recently has also moved into to extracts. So this is now becoming more of a, um, I guess, a better way of administering these medicines uh, to, to people is being able to give it to them in this form. Do you mean to rub it on? For oral. So basically it goes into an extract like an oil. We can put that in capsule. So it really looks like any other medicine you have on the shelf in your, your little bottle of, of your capsules and you're prescribed how many capsules you, you are to take for your particular condition. And there's obviously very different formulations depending on what we're treating. So, for example, if we're treating uh, someone of a particular age who has neuropathic pain, that's going to be a very different formulation to someone else or perhaps a different age group. Um, And in particular, if you're treating something uh, to do with epilepsy or or something like that. So the beauty of what OzCan has is through these partners that we have with 
Canopy and some of our other players, we've got the knowledge of what is the right formulation, what is the right dosing to give to these patients so we can ensure the best outcomes at the end of the day. So you create the extract and then you sell it to Canopy Growth Corporation in Canada, is that right? Initially, we'll bring products into Australia from Canopy, so that's our partner. Uh, They're our biggest shareholder as well, I might add. And then once we have Australian product come online, then we'll be just moving straight through into the Australian product or be supplied to the Australian patient. There's extract tablets that you're proposing to sell. Are they on prescription only or over the counter? So in Australia, how it works, it's all prescription medicine. And because it's an un unregistered products. In Australia, we have what's called the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods. So a lot of the medications that uh, people are prescribed every day are listed in this register. Cannabis is is not. Um, So what happens is what the federal government, the TGA, has created is their special access schemes for these kind of products. So essentially, uh, a doctor, uh, ideally it's, it's a specialist, would apply through these uh, access schemes to become authorised. So the information that they seek to do that is they need safety data on the product, efficacy data on the product, what their patient's condition is, what other treatments have they tried, so why that, essentially why they want to put this case forward to prescribe this product. Then uniquely in Australia also, we also have an approval system on in each state. And unfortunately, at this point in time, it's different in each state, which is not an ideal situation. Um, so essentially, the doctor, doctor gets approval from the TGA, then they get approval from their state health department, and then they can go forward and write, write out and script for, this, for that particular medicine. Now, the reason why... OzCan's focused on the chronic pain and the neuropathic pain is solely for this reason. We have excellent data to say how well these products work, which is what we need for these doctors to become authorised. The second reason why doctors can get approval in that space is existing treatments aren't working very well. So, for instance, in particular, if you're talking about neuropathic pain, a lot of our current treatments just are completely ineffective there. The opiates are not touching neuropathic pain. What is neuropathic pain? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. It's basically nerve pain. Like what? It can result from anything. So it can be from a disease that's damaged your nerves or it can be just solely from injury where you've, you've got nerve damage there. So essentially these nerves just keep on firing off and our opiates just don't dampen these things down. And literally, it is uh, an extremely distressing condition. You usually find people that are suffering from chronic neuropathic pain. They are unable to work. Uh, their whole quality of life is, is very poor. With taking the this, this substance, the cannabis for, um, for chronic neuropathic pain, as you were talking about, if you take it, do you get stoned? So when we talk about so medicinal cannabis, so there's a multiple of different compounds, these particular cannabinoids that have therapeutic effects on the body. One cannabinoid in particular we generally talk about that can give psychoactive effect or make you feel high is THC. Okay. Now, THC, we do need that for the treatment of pain. But what we do acknowledge, like any other medication, if you get someone high, that is a side effect. 
At the end of the day, we're trying to treat a person's pain because we need them to get up, go to work and function in their everyday life. We cannot have them stoned. So this is where the knowledge of the right formulation and dosage is absolutely critical. So we can manage those side effects quite effectively in terms of the other cannabinoids we incorporate in with the THC and also how we administer it and the level of dosing. And so that's where we're really pulling upon the expertise of the uh, Canadians in this space because the Canadian doctors have been prescribing it now for quite a few years. So really that's why we've actually got Canadian doctors coming down next month to run education seminars. Uh, we have any Australian doctor that is wanting to prescribe these products, we will have a mentoring program so they can link up with these Canadian docs really so they can get a full understanding on this, on how, how to actually effectively um, prescribe these. Because, I mean, in, in Canada, we, we're just on our way home back from Canada now and we're at a medical conference there. Certainly, they're getting fantastic effect. We can manage people's pain. We're not getting them high. We're actually getting people returning to work uh, and having excellent outcomes at the end of the day. Is there a formal relationship between OzCan and Zelda Pharmaceuticals, apart from the fact that uh, Stuart Washer is your brother? Yes, apart from the family relationship. Yeah, look, we're we're really excited to be involved with Zelda. So essentially, we're, we're a supplier to Zelda for their clinical trials. So as I mentioned, OzCan, we're not a clinical trial company. So we are really pushing where we know there is good clinical data here and now, and we're just getting that product to the patient. What Zelda's doing is really quite novel in that they're targeting those new emerging exciting areas where medicinal cannabis could be of an enormous benefit. So essentially, we're a supplier to those sites. We can create those particular formulations that they're after um, because we know how to grow the right strains. We have access to the best strains in the world. We have a wonderful Spanish partner to help us with that, Phytoplant. We have the manufacturing expertise. So any kind of weird, wonderful formulation that those guys need for their their trials, we we will produce that for them. And there's no sort of significant cross-shareholding, is there? No, no, there isn't. The Washer family doesn't seem to own a, a large stake in either company. As you said, the Canopy Growth Company is the largest holder of OzCan. So Canopy is our biggest uh, shareholder and we certainly, uh, my brother has the involvement with Zelda Therapeutics. I'm not sure of his shareholding over there. Certainly uh, my father, who is the chairman of OzCan, Dr. Mel Washer, and OzCan was really his vision and why the whole company was was created, you know, because of the medical uh, background that he has. He saw this need. I mean, he he is also, you know, a fairly good shareholder. The Washer family has a, a very strong interest in, our, you know, these companies to do extremely well. You know, we have that drive and that vision for us to achieve, you know. And essentially, I guess the whole mantra of OzCam, why it was created, was coming from dad as a medical doctor in this whole belief that patients have the right to access high-quality, cost-effective, clinically validated cannabinoid medicines. Um, And it's been happening for many years in other countries around the world. Um, And we're now delighted that uh, the Australian legislators have have also agreed with us now um, and that we now have all the regulatory system in place so we can grow, we can manufacture and we can supply patients. 
Crazo Pharma is taking a different approach entirely. It's breeding the THC out of the cannabis so you can't get stoned at all. In that way, the products are purely over-the-counter. And interestingly, Crazo is also exploring the veterinary market, that is, making therapies for dogs and horses. Here's director and one of the founders, Adam Blumenthal. The idea was to come in to the medical marijuana space through the nutraceutical approach, so it's through the over-the-counter approach for, um, for medical marijuana products, so avoiding the doctor, so avoiding the prescriptions. So it's a very, very low THC, um, THC element in the, in the products, if any. And second of all, the, the second approach, which we are the first in, in the world to attack, is the veterinary approach, so for our animals. And we, in about 10 to 12 weeks' time, we will have our first animal products on the market, which will be the first in the world. Did you say in relation to the uh, THC content, if any? Correct. Did you say if any? If any, yes. So you might have if a product any, that has no THC in it. That's right. That's right. So, so our current products on the market, which are being, um, being manufactured in Czechoslovakia and Slovakia, um, are CBD drops. So they're being extracted from the cannabis plant. And there's minimal, I think about 0.1 or 0.2% THC in it. So very minimal THC levels, which allows for that product to be sold over the counter in Czech pharmacies. What does the CBD do? What's it for? So there's many, many um, different reasons why people would take them. Anxiety, stress, back pain, Parkinson's, epilepsy, fits, joint inflammation. There's dozens of prescribers which, which have been taking them to address those needs. And CBD stands for cannabinoid, right? Correct. That's right. In a marijuana leaf or plant, there's two main ingredients. There's the THC, and that's the elements when, if taken too much of it, has the high effect. And there's the CBD elements, and the CBD elements is the unit goodness, where the rich elements are. And that's what's extracted and what we extract from the leaf, the CBD, and put that entire product. And the first product being the CBD drops, which we're selling in Eastern Europe at the moment. And CBD doesn't make you high at all? No, that's right, no. How much do you sell them for? That product, which is a bottle of about 30, 40 mils, uh, sells for between 30 and 40 euros a bottle. And that allows for patients to take eight drops twice a day. And the bottle lasts for um, for up to 30 days. How do they take them? Just under their tongue or something? They take them under their tongue. That's the quickest, most efficient way of getting into the system and also for not losing too much of the, um, too much of the ingredients if it's taken like a pill into your stomach. You've got some chewing gum, haven't you, of it as well? Not yet. You're working on that? There's a few products that they're working on, which we're hoping to bring to market uh, second half of the year, but a lot of other dynamic and uh, innovative products. You've got a business called Hemp Industries, uh, as I understand Correct. it. Correct. Did Crazo buy that last year? So Crazo bought that. So uh, when Hemp Industries heard about what we're doing, they were very, very keen to um, to work with us. And that was one of the first acquisitions. So we own 100% of hemp industries, and, and hemp industries are the drops which we sell in, um, in Eastern Europe. It's growing the cannabis in Slovakia, right? That's correct. So our hemp industries have got a very large um, foothold of land where the hemp is grown and then extracted and put into the final product. From your point of view, it's a, it's a fully integrated process. You're growing exactly. the hemp, exactly. you're growing the stuff, you're extracting it, and then you're selling it, what, directly into pharmacies? Is that right? Directly into pharmacies, correct. That's right. What's your margin like on the 30 to $40? The margin's pretty high. We can't create too much trade secrets at the moment, but the margins are pretty healthy. But um, 
Uh, and that's always one aspect to look at, being a public company, needing to uh, provide returns for shareholders. But um, as important, and the guys at Hemp Industries are pretty cognizant of the fact that they are um, this is helping helping a lot of people with illnesses and with um, and with issues that need addressing. So even though we are looking to make a profit, uh, they're trying to be as accessible as possible to, um, to to help patients. Now, tell us about the veterinary products. Do they contain THC or not? So there'll be two products, but initially, no, they won't. And they're addressing initially and mainly anxiety in pets and animals, and that's a. a a lot bigger market than most people realise. If you look at how many um, how many homeowners have got pets, which is which, which is extremely large, and then you look into racehorses and other kind of um, other kinds of animals, it's a really really large market. And the, and the biggest um, issue facing that is is anxiety and stress. So that's the the first treatment that Creso is uh, looking to address. So they'd be CBD pills or oils, is that right for for dogs and horses? It's not a pill. It's a, a medicine. Just Taking the mouth, firing liquid, and it works, does it? It works. Yes, it's being um, from from test cases so far. It's um, it's, it's having a tremendous effect, and um, and and in ten weeks' time, we'll have our first product on the market, and we have uh, we have end prescribers ready and waiting to treat their to treat their animals. Would you sell that direct via pet shops or via vets? Um, it'll, it'll be via pet shops, but also um, in time, it'll be um, the vets will be able to prescribe directly. Would you be able to, if you if you wanted to, sell THC products to animals? Yes, it's also it's jurisdiction by jurisdiction. So certain jurisdictions um, do allow for it, others don't. But um, there are certain jurisdictions that do allow for it. So so it's a case by case. Does a THC uh, product? work better than if it's just CBD? Well, when you say work better, it kind of depends because um, the THC product is potentially stronger for certain high-intensity pains. It might be it might be more beneficial having that when opposed to for more mild illnesses, the THC is not really required. So again, it's also what the illness is. But, but most certainly, the non-THC products are, um, are very, very effective. Tell us what Creso's assets are. Is it brands or intellectual property or both? So both. Creso owns 100% of Hemp Industries, which is a, our, our local grower in Slovakia, which we, we then extract and sell our final products. Secondly, Creso's got IP for about 15 to 18 different products, four of which will be brought to market in the next um, 10 to 12 weeks, which is what we anticipate. Another Another uh, two will be brought to market for anim- for humans, which we anticipate prior to Christmas. So the IP around that is invaluable. And Miri, our CEO, has been in the um, big pharma game for the last 30 years, and that's been uh, she's been been years developing these products. We also have uh, distribution agreements in place in South America. We've recently announced one in uh, in, in Brazil. So that's a, a massive foothold for Creso to be able to launch its products in, into that region. Our, um, our distribution and manufacturer in, um, in in Europe, Demaco, who we've signed up with, is also an amazing asset. Those are that's not really a group that you can just walk in and sign up to. There's a long, long waiting list. They uh, interviewed several different companies. They wanted to have access to medical cannabis for their end users. So by us uh, having a distribution agreement with them, uh, placed us in an amazing foothold to to um, be able to service Europe. Demaco is based in Switzerland, so. 
it's a, it's a Swiss farmer stamp, and we can we have access to all of Europe tobacco manufacture for other major groups in Australia, such as Blackmores. So it's really up there with the best. They're in both uh, human and animal uh, space, aren't they? Yes. One of your plans that you've talked about is signing a commercialisation agreement with a leading North American biopharmaceutical company. How's it going with that? We're in very, very advanced um, advanced discussions with that group and others, and we believe in the next two to three months there'll be significant updates regarding that and new groups, which we haven't um, spoken of yet because it's not material, but we're in very advanced discussions. Why do you need a, an agreement with a biopharmaceutical company in North America? Why can't you just sell straight into um, pharmacies as you are in, in Europe? Having distribution partners that understand the local landscape, the local regulatory environments, especially in, um, in an environment like this where in America this space is legal on a state level and not a federal level, partnering up with a, um, with a group that, that understand it, uh, have a foothold and, and are well-respected just make it a lot easier. Having the correct systems in place as well, so that's something that we want to adhere to and we take very seriously. How much cash has the company got on hand at the moment? Crazer has got approximately $11 million in the bank, so it's probably one of the most well-positioned uh, medical marijuana companies on the ASX. And, um, yeah, 11 mil cash, that's, that's more than enough capital now for it to fast-track all, um, all of our production and commercialisation plans. It also leaves additional capital in there for any M&A opportunities that we see fit. So we, we only set out to raise approximately 5 to $6 million. We had to increase our placement by $2.5 million to make room for some large Asian institutional investors. Given that that capital raise was such a success, we then initiated an SPP to raise a million dollars to allow shareholders to um, invest on the same terms. We set out to raise a million dollars on the SPP, and I think we banked around four and a half million dollars. So we have to refund three and a half, which only take a million on the SPP. So yeah, we have more than enough capital. We did that capital raising at 69 cents. The stock's trading at 80 cents this morning. So I think the market's market's showing us that um, that, um, that we, we are really undervalued and, um, and the market's very excited to see what is coming in the short term in terms of news flow and progress. And finally, MGC Pharmaceuticals, which is also going down the low THC, high CBD route. It was started two and a half years ago by a former mining company promoter in Perth named Brett Mitchell who thought cannabis looked like the next big thing. Here he is. Well, it began about two and a half years ago when I was finance background but involved in a number of uh, junior listed companies and had seen um, the first medical cannabis company listed on the ASX uh, and had been watching the space for a while. Saw that there was a lot of interest in the sector and, and, and we'd been watching what had been happening in North America and Europe and places like Israel and thought, this industry is sort of becoming legitimised and he's going to come to Australia at some stage and I want to be at the forefront of it here in Oz. What was the foundation of MGC? What was it when you started? What did you have? Nothing. Basically, we had a. Uh, I had an idea which um, I wanted to go and uh, locate a team of, um, uh, of experts in the field of medical cannabis, which took me, uh, after my research into the industry in the field, you know, Israel... Is, is a world documented as a world leader in 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 the research and um, of medical cannabis, like a, a number of technology enterprises, software and hardware, as we all know about. And uh, that 
through a couple of connections, I was introduced to a couple of guys in Israel, uh, one of which is the, the current, uh, my co-founder and managing director, Nativ Segev. And Nativ had been the CEO of the second largest medical cannabis in, uh, company in Israel for, for about five years and wanted to start up his own own operation, uh, but needed someone with sort of the finance uh, and corporate uh, expertise to partner up with, and that's how we came together. And so what you've ended up with is, is, as I understand it, an exclusive strain of cannabis sativa, which has got uh, low THC and high CBD. Correct. That's one of the uh, one of the core planks of the business, and that's important because, in simple terms, uh, the cannabis plant has about uh, 100 different compounds. One of the compounds is THC, which is um, the um, uh, psychotropic uh, compound that uh, that is illegal. But there's about 100 or over 90 uh, cannabinoids. Um, and it's the combination of the cannabinoids and the THC which are used for a number of, to treat a number of different conditions. Um, the THC is generally used for you know, pain relief uh, and higher dosages of that, uh, whereas the CBD is used for um, as very, very strong um, anti-inflammatory properties. So things like Dravet syndrome, epilepsy, a number of those sort of conditions are treated by the CBD part of the plant. And the important thing I, I imagine is that the cannabinoid CBD can be sold over the counter whereas THC has to be prescribed. Exactly correct. And that's where there's a lot of different applications for, you know, the medical cannabis sort of gets lumped into one group from a, from a general understanding at the moment. But there's, the more that we are becoming educated here in Australia and the rest of the world of the different benefits of the cannabinoids, um, that's where there's a lot of applications from simple skincare products through to um, uh, other over-the-counter medicines uh, that will be uh, available for a number of different conditions. Is the the point about your product that you don't really have to do anything to it, you just get the extract and it happens to be there from the beginning because it's a separate strain of cannabis that has got low THC, high CBD already. You don't have to actually muck around with the, the properties of it. Is that right? In one way, Alan, yeah, that is correct, and it really helps us. And and the why why we're focusing on on different strains and different ratios in those strains of CBD and THC is because essentially it makes the uh, or reduces the operating costs and processes required to to produce your 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 end product. So we're currently, and our focus as a business is to be fully vertically integrated um, from the development of our current strains and new strains, which we're doing with the Institute of Experimental Botany, uh, which is, sits under the Academy of Sciences in, in the Czech Republic. We're a totally European-based operation at the moment, but that will be changing shortly through what we're looking to do in Australia. But we've also just uh, recently announced that we have completed the construction of our own um, uh, API uh, extraction facility in Slovenia, um, which is where our is where our operating base is, and our Israeli um, uh, management team are based. So we're basically growing the different strains in Europe, both in Slovenia and the Czech Republic. And now, and we only completed construction of it at the end of March. We're uh, starting to produce our own um, CBD compounds from our uh, API facility in Slovenia. Uh, within a couple of months, we'll ha- we will have that endorsed uh, under GMP protocols and uh, be one of the only uh, three operating uh, facilities in Europe that are uh, be able to produce 
uh, active pharmaceutical ingredient grade uh, cannabinoids. And so are you going to sell that as a wholesale resin or are you going to develop your own brand and sell it straight into pharmacies as a product? Uh, both, Alan. We've already got a, a, a business uh, up and running, which is sort of not the main focus of the company, but it's a uh, complementary business in the um, skincare range. We've got a uh, we've got a joint venture with a cosmetics manufacturer, uh, which has CBD in that skin, in those skincare products, uh, the counter skincare products like moisturisers, uh, face creams, um, cleansers, toners, and the CBD in that is the active property that, that helps anti-inflammatory and, and skin delivery to the system. So we will be selling to our joint venture company. We'll also be selling independently to third-party wholesalers. We'll also be producing uh, in the second half of 2017. We'll have our own registered, or our plan is to have our own registered CBD medicine registered in Slovenia uh, following a completion of um, uh, a clinical test for epilepsy that we've uh, we've already announced and planning to kick those off um, in about the next three months. So are you saying that'll be an over-the-counter epilepsy medicine, are you? In Slovenia, absolutely. It'll be it'll be a, a registered medicine in Slovenia. It'll be an MGC branded medicine. So that's our own med- medical product that will be available for treatment of you know, on treatment of epilepsy patients uh, in Slovenia. And then once we get an importation or an import export license in Slovenia, we'll be able to sell that throughout the EU. Um, which is one of the strategic decisions where we base the, the company in Slovenia as being part of the EU and cannabinoids and uh, CBD is, is legal throughout the whole union. I'd be surprised if anyone bought over-the-counter medicine for epilepsy. Wouldn't they just go to the doctor and get a prescription? Oh, sorry. No, no, it won't be available over-the-counter, the epilepsy treatment. It'll be through a, a prescription through the doctor. In terms of the... Certainly the epilepsy medicine will be only um, available following prescription from a doctor. Um, in Slovenia initially, and once we get our uh, export license throughout the EU, that's that's the position there. The over-the-counter products will be the the skincare products that we're developing through our uh, joint venture company MGC Derma, and that will also include uh, some over-the-counter products for the treatment of acne and psoriasis. And they work, do they? Obviously, you would say they too. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, we're we're in the final we're, we're in the final phase of our, um, our our clinical tests at the largest dermatological clinic in Slovenia for the uh, psoriasis and acne uh, treatments. So so far so good, and we'll have that all confirmed um, by the end of June. So are you growing any other crops, or is it entirely cannabis? No, no, just cannabis in Slovenia, where we've got an outdoor growing facility, and uh, at the um, uh, Institute of Experimental Botany um, facility in uh, just outside of Prague. So can you give us a bit of a sense of how the business model works? What do you sell this stuff for and what are the margins like? Well, they're varying. At, at the moment, we've actually got um, three or four different uh, potential revenue streams. We're only starting at, starting up in terms of, uh, like most of the companies in this space, so it's early days. But we have the cosmetic product line, um, which has... Um, a very strong margin in terms of the operating that will EBITDA margin on on those products, through to the, the how strong margins of over fifty percent. We're effectively uh, manufacturing it, so very very significant EBITDA margins on those skincare products, and same for the uh, for the psoriasis and acne treatments as well that we're producing through the same company. The medical products, yeah, there's obviously a, a lot of um, um, a lot of testing to go through those to have them available for sale. 
uh, especially here in, in Australia. Have you got any offtake agreements? Uh, we have one offtake agreement at the moment, which is with our, our joint venture company for the manufacture of the cosmetic products. But we're, now that we've just produced, and we've just announced today, actually, we've produced our first um, CBD uh, from our uh, extraction facility in Slovenia. Uh, we have a number of parties who uh, have been in contact with us that once we've evidenced and shown them the, the capability of our facility to produce the, the cannabinoids, um, they wanted to um, enter into um, material discussions with us for binding offtake agreements. That's for a CBD concentrated resin, is it? Yes, correct. There's um, various forms and requirements that um, you know diff- different parties will uh, will be looking for in terms of the the compounds and the ratios of the CBD and THC in the final resin form. So, have you given any guidance as to how much money you expect to be making from from all this? We haven't at the moment, Alan, because uh, it's too you're too early and. Um, you know, as far as ASX and, and ASIC are concerned, until you've demonstrated a clear path to that, to making such statements, is sort of where we're unable to do so. Okay, well, we'll have to stay in touch. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, the, the reality is that we're uh, where we are now, by the end of this year uh, and in 12 months' time, we'll have runs on the board by then. Uh, we would have demonstrated our, uh, our operations not only in the, in the cosmetics, but also. Uh, by that stage, uh, on, on our path to delivery on the on the medicine front, um, on the back end of these uh, clinical trials in Slovenia this year, and also from a wholesale CBD production point, which uh, our commercial production on the CBD will be starting in Q3 this year. Uh, and as I said earlier, we've just uh, announced today we've made our first production run of, of CBD in our extraction facility. So it'll all, it's all evolving for us over the next six months. Yeah, g'day. Yeah, g'day. Rest in peace, John. Great bloke, comic genius. Up to this week, I met John Clark every Wednesday in the ABC makeup room where he was getting his makeup off after recording his weekly spot with Brian Dorr while I was getting mine on. And every week, he was up for a chat. In fact, he was always up for a chat. Apart from bird watching, it was what he loved doing the most solving the world's problems in the corridor. I'm going to miss him a lot, as will a lot of people. He was always very interested in finance and investing. And here he is from 1979 as Fred Dagg doing a stock exchange report. And here now, hot from the Bureau, is today's report on the stock exchange. Trading has been quite brisk during the early morning session, with market leaders well to the fore on all the main boards and even out as far as the windows on the southern wall. Rises have exceeded falls by about four foot nine, although rises were cautioned in the fifth round for holding, and falls are apparently less than overjoyed with their hotel accommodation and have registered a formal complaint with the official registrar of formal complaints. There was great interest shown during the session in the number two board mining indices, and notes of surety were in strong demand earlier but faded in the face of a strong upturn in the performance of coffee futures. The late challenge expected in many quarters from unsecured pieces of paper did not in fact eventuate, although third mortgages and non-transferable family trust options rallied late in the session to finish at a high for the fiscal period of the 15th. The surprise for many was the apparent failure of both yen and mark-based debenture stock in sugar, whose long ton index in seasonally adjusted relation to cotton and raw steel had exceeded the commodities index for only the second time since the pre-tax yield crisis in August. The fastest market movers were DAG Securities up five, DAG nominees Public Trust Investments up nine, DAG Parent Realty up 16, non-DAG Property Investments down 24, the Dagless Trust of Queensland down 31, 
FDAG Consolidated up 12. Not even faintly daggish mining, down 28. Anti-DAG Trust Adventure Stock Notes, down 53. Sir Freddie DAG Skyway Highway, each way, cheap way, fly by night, she'll be right, International Airline and Sardine Packaging Company through the ceiling and beyond, and everything else remained pretty much where it was. And that's it from us. Thanks to the constant team and to ISM Studios for the music. I'll see you in your inbox on Saturday morning.